Welcome to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. The Checkdown is brought is presented by ProLine Plus, the only sports book where 100% of the profits go back to Ontario. And of course, another reminder, and we'll be giving you another one later, that the Fan Checkdown will be live from Real Sports here in downtown Toronto next Tuesday, January the 30th, 11 a.m. Eastern. Come check it out. Have some good food. It's 11 o'clock. You can have a drink, too, if you want. I don't know if they'll let us drink during the show. Does that count, Donovan? Probably can't do that, I would guess. I'm going to guess no, but you can definitely stay after and have a beverage or two, talk some football. Great place to watch a game. It is. It is. Um, You know who's been drinking, clearly? The Green Bay Packers. Because they're interviewing our pal Brandon Staley for their defensive coordinator position. Um, Maybe we'll get to that later. I don't know. Um... Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, Super Bowl champion, host of the Lombardi line on VEASAN and host of the GM Shuffle podcast. He'll join us in the next block at can't, 1130. Can't wait. Oh, we've got lots. He he has he has a bit of a relationship with that Belichick guy who is not getting the Atlanta job, which looked like it was, I felt like it was pretty much a done deal at one point. Did it not? Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris. The guy. Don't leave your girl around me. Yeah. You play for real. The, Went in and stole that job. Yeah, pretty much. But you know what? I was talking with this with some of the guys behind the glass. Um, behind the glass, uh, Daniele Franceschi, who does a great job here at, at Sportsnet 590, the fan, and David Sis, who produces the Jeff Merrick show. And we were talking about Raheem Morris, and people forget he was the interim coach, and then basically didn't get the job, and Arthur Smith got it. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, well. Should you have just kept Raheem Morris around? And what is it? Uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder. Absence. That's the one. Distance too. So across the league, whether it was players, Jalen Ramsey spoke up and said Raheem Morris is you know a great coach in waiting. The Rams staff, Sean McVay, Les Snead, bang on the table for Raheem Morris to get another job. Other coaches, Mike Tomlin said earlier this year that the 32 coaches right now are not the best 32 in the world and that he doesn't know a better coach than Raheem Morris. Across the league, different connections. So many people went out of their way to say, this guy needs one of these jobs. Yes, he had one, and it didn't go well, but he was very young. And with some time and with some growth, he would do a great job, especially when it's your own franchise. Like the Rams then, if they lost Raheem Morris, would have to fill that role at coordinator, start having conversations that they don't want to have, potentially make other changes in their staff if he steals people and takes them to wherever he ends up now, Atlanta. Like you, you don't get that level of campaigning for someone who's been there a short period of time often. Eric Bieniemy, I think, would be the other example. And so, yeah, I... I Arthur Blank went into the process, obviously, with an open heart and mind and was pushed by others in the building. And Raheem Morris is is the Falcon head coach, who I think f- would fit the uniform, the vibe, the city mm-hmm. a bit more than Belichick. We, we joked about if, if the uniforms would just be a little too flashy and the, the cutoff hoodie would not look the same in, in black, red, and silver. Yeah, and, and Raheem Morris comes into this with, previous head coaching experience. It's not like he it's not like he hasn't. As we mentioned, he was the interim coach for 11 games 
with the um, Atlanta Falcons back in 2020. He was also the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 2009 to 2011. And you talk about that age thing. Well, Raheem Morris is 47. 2009, a long time ago. How much has he learned in that time frame? He was a young head coach in the NFL. And you talk about the experience and what a difference it makes. Um, it's the same conversation as you have. Like when I was 25, it's a lot different than when I'm 35. Like you learn a lot. You understand things a little bit differently. There's that's, there's no difference when it comes to coaching either. So we were looking at this Atlanta head coaching job as give us a bit of a tell. Whoever they hire, would that be an indicator on what they do at the quarterback position? Mm-hmm. Do you go out and try to acquire someone like a Justin Fields and build with him for the future? Do you try to rehab Desmond Ritter? Do you stay no, put? No, no, you're not rehabbing Desmond Ritter. Sorry. <laughs> do you stay put where you are and, and, and draft someone? Do you think you're close to competing and you don't have the patience and maybe in free agency you spend a lot of money and go get someone like a Kirk Cousins? I have no insight, right? Like, if it was Belichick, we could kind of say, well, you know, his age, personality, the wants of him, how he'd use his cap. I have no insight on what this means, the QB position for Raheem Morris. I think the tell is, and I haven't seen any any number on this, um, what the term of the contract is. There's another, there's another coaching hire yesterday, too, that we haven't even got to. Dave Canales gets the... Panthers head coaching job, which was shocking to a lot of people. He got a six-year deal. Like, David Tepper looked at him and went, you look like my future ex-wife. So I I think he looked at him and said, the market is dictating that I need to give these people long contracts because I have uh, an itchy trigger finger. And it's the scenario of convince someone to take my money. Yeah, And if I'm an agent, I'm saying history is our best teacher. Look what you've done to previous coaches. I need some assurances. Either it's going to be painful for you to move on from this head coach early, or if you do, they're going to be making money off of you for a long time. I, it was surprising, but then the more I thought of it, and Canales becomes the second Hispanic coach in Panthers history after Ron Rivera. Well, let's look at what he's done in the last couple of years was a driver in rehabbing the career of Geno Smith. Mm-hmm. Was a driver in rehabbing the career of Baker Mayfield. Different age and stage, no question. But when you look at the quarterback position in that franchise, that's the biggest question. 100%. How can we get our quarterback playing at the level with which we picked him, which would be first overall, especially given the scrutiny and pressure, given the fact that there were maybe some different Opinions on who that QB should be based off of the previous regime, based off the fact that the other QBs drafted after have performed better than Bryce Young has thus far. So from that standpoint, given that I don't think they were shopping at the high-end stores in the mall, they weren't in the Harbaugh-Belichick conversation in Carolina. Of the available options. They were in the, they were in the Giant Tiger Giant. portion of the... Uh, shout out Giant Tiger. Yeah, well, I mean, what do they say at a grocery store? You should you should shop uh, on the edges and not in the middle? Yeah, that's that's the Matt Marchese philosophy right there. You nailed it. 
Good, good for you. I, I don't follow it, but I, I'm aware of it. Yeah, they were they were shopping in the uh, in the in the rack that has the items with a pink sticker on it. Like, just if you're gonna eat this soon, you're good. You'll get it for a discount. But if not, then you might want to keep shopping. So the three coaches hired under David Tepper, Matt Rule got a seven year contract. Frank Wright got a four year contract. Dave Canales gets a six year contract. The other interesting thing, right? Like, so this is real money, hard money for these owners. As soon as you sign the contract, you're committed no matter what happens. Yeah. Not seeing the numbers, I'd imagine... It's not a super expensive... Six game. years of Dave Canales equals four years of Jim Harbaugh or 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 three years of Bill Belichick, right? Like, yeah. the actual money committed... Yes, I would agree. It, ...is probably the same if you were shopping at one of the more expensive luxury brands. You're going to... Check out that Gucci stuff. Okay, let's talk about these games. Uh, we'll get to more into the coaching stuff with Michael Lombardi, who joins us in the next block. Chiefs at Ravens. Uh, the line now five and a half. It was as low as two and a half, Donovan. This is a significant jump. So you could see where the money's kind of going. Uh, 44 and a half is the total. It's the Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. It's narrative street week in the AFC championship game because Patrick Mahomes can kind of do no wrong here. And Lamar Jackson's rep can take a hit. Here's the question that I wanted to ask you yesterday, and we may ask it to Michael Lombardi later. Is Lamar Jackson, the most disrespected quarterback in NFL history. And don't say Troy Aikman is because he's respected and too much. So he's the most, res he's way too respected. Anyway, Lamar Jackson, most disrespected quarterback in NFL history. Yes. We are removed from it now. And we have recency bias, so it's hard to imagine. But at this time, last year, the conversation around Lamar Jackson was, did he skip out on a playoff game uh -huh. because he didn't want to play because of his contract scenario? And was he actually healthy enough to either one, play, or two, at least travel to the game? Because he wasn't there on the sideline. And... Would the market bear enough money for him to say, trade me, release me, do whatever you want. I don't want to be a raven. The market essentially said whether we believe the ravens are going to match, so this is a futile experience, or we're colluding because in that same division, the Browns' foolish owners just <laughs> gave away of guaranteed contract and we want to reverse that narrative immediately or they just didn't think he was the player that now has won another MVP whatever the reason the fact that again uh, literally a year ago not the entire National Football League because a lot of them have quarterbacks that they're committed to young players are developing players that are already good but a lot of the teams ironically that are now hiring head coaches Said, yeah, Lamar, we're good. Yeah, we don't want you. We're good. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> in in what other world, in what other sport, at the very least, you put in an offer to drive up that number in a hard cap league so that it is punitive for the Ravens to have to pay Lamar more so than just negotiating against him and his mother. 
Next thing you know, the Ravens run through the entire league, by far have the best record, most wins against uh, teams with a winning record and are the favorites uh, to be in and win the Super Bowl. Disrespect, miscalculation, however you want to say it, it it is wild to me to think about the conversations that we were having about this player a year ago and where we are now. Here's what I'll say, and people can draw their own compare. They can draw their own conclusions to this. Um, Lamar Jackson gets disrespected for things while other quarterbacks skate. Like, for example, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert doesn't get nearly the same criticism as Lamar Jackson. Two different types of players, two different types of quarterback. But at the end of the day, it's about winning football games. And Justin Herbert, yes, he's been in the league a little bit less for a less amount of time than Lamar Jackson. But he doesn't get the same criticism as Lamar Jackson does. Um, The only other player that I think gets the same type of criticism, and it's because the regular season success does not translate. And the, and the the book is still open here on Lamar for this year. The only other guy that gets that same type of like polarizing narratives is Josh Allen. And I would make the argument that Lamar's is more um, because he's not your traditional pocket passer. Here's what we've learned about Lamar Jackson. If you need him to throw the ball with good receivers and a good offensive coordinator, he's been able to do it. He can win that way. Um, so I, I think that the criticism is unwarranted and I do believe that the time is now for the Ravens because we, we kind of had the same conversation about the bills. Like this is your opportunity. You're at home. Patrick Mahomes is on the road. Although the numbers would suggest that that doesn't really matter all that much. But what we know is this, their defense is healthy. Their offense is healthy. They're getting Mark. And- By the way, they're getting Mark Andrews back. He was activated off the IR. So they just got healthier. They're as healthy as they could probably be at this point in the season. There's, you, you would think that the Chiefs are going to go out and kind of revamp this offense a little bit. The defense is fine. It does feel like if there was an opportunity to win, it's right now. No question. The Bills are already taken care of. You didn't have to do that dirty work. Houston's probably a bit early. They're going to be a monster and a beast, but you know they're ahead of schedule. And Joe Burrow had not one but two injuries. Second one was yep. a season ender. So in terms of a path to a Super Bowl, never mind winning one, I think you know the yellow brick road's not going to get any friendlier in the AFC than it is this year. In terms of the disrespect for Lamar, I mean two things you often hear placed to him are one injury prone mm-hmm. listen i mean guy failed to finish the season in the last couple of years like i get it it seemed like he had the flu or covid every three weeks for a two-year span like i get it. in terms of his play style ooh, we don't know man he runs a lot how will that age he's been injured from being in the pocket when have you seen Lamar take a massive shot when he yeah, tucks very, the ball and run? Very rarely. So, I mean, Kirk Cousins was injured. Aaron Rodgers was injured. Like, it is a occupational hazard of being a quarterback. Yes, Lamar Jackson has been injured, but I don't correlate that to his play style and his ability to run. That's one. Two, well, you know, the passing numbers, man, we'd love to see them higher. I mean, listen, he's incredibly accurate. We saw that this year. 
We saw that this year because for the first time ever, his best receiver wasn't Hollywood Brown. His best receiver was actually a really good receiver. Yes. And as much as there is a international outrage about the fact that we are wasting a good year of Patrick Mahomes' prime because he essentially is throwing the ball to volleyball players that are knocking it down. <laughs> that has been Lamar Jackson's entire existence. Yeah. His receivers either, one, couldn't get open, two, couldn't catch, or three, couldn't stay healthy. This is the first year he's had a consistent group. And, by the way, like I don't even think that group's amazing. Mark Andrews, as you mentioned, was hurt for the vast majority of the year. I mean, Everyone, including the Chiefs, could have signed Odell Beckham Jr. The Ravens eventually did it. I think they signed him more so to get him. Keep Lamar happy and get him in the building. Yeah, get in his good graces more so than what he was going to do on the field. They hit on the Zay Flowers pick, no question. But I would take the two receiving cores in the NFC over what Lamar has to work with in Baltimore. Absolutely. And here's the other thing, too. Like, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but would you be all that shocked? Because I don't, and I don't think you would be, if the Ravens went out with their first round pick and took a receiver. No, not at all, right? Because Rashad Bateman, we think the talent's there, but he always has a case of the drops. Odell Beckham Jr. won't be back next year. Um, Isaiah likely probably has more of a role next year, but they're going to go out and probably draft a big-bodied receiver to go along with Zay Flowers, and then we're going to even we're going to see even more of what Lamar Jackson is. Lamar Jackson, this year he had the second most passing yards per game that he's had in his career. He had 24 passing touchdowns, seven interceptions, and he's he's great with his legs as we always as we as we know. Um this was the second highest yards per completion that he had in his career aside from his rookie year where he had 12.1 this year he had 12 yards per completion. First year in a new offense put up those numbers and you talk about them going and getting a receiver. This is a receiver-heavy draft this mm-hmm. year. Yep. So, granted, they're going to have one of the last four picks in the first round. They still might be able to get talent this year at the receiver position via the draft. Uh, quickly, before we get to the next game, uh, what is the key matchup here for you? Andy Reid versus Mike McDonald or Todd Munkin versus Steve, Pe- Steve Spagnuolo? That's a really good question. Because I feel like I feel like it is it is Munkin versus Spagnolo and how they adjust in the second half. Because we saw how good the Chiefs have been all year in adjusting in the second half on defense. They've only averaged uh seven points allowed in the second half. And for the Ravens, we saw the adjustments that they made against the Texans, who blitzed like crazy against Lamar, as we know with D'Amico Ryans. Um, and they didn't have an answer. That, to me, is the matchup that's most important. I think they're both really important. I think they're both going to be really intriguing. I think the one with the most unknowns is Munkin versus Spagnuolo. Yeah. What are they going to do, assuming Willie Gay is not healthy and he's not their middle linebacker? Do they spy? Do they not spy? How often do they spy in terms of the blitz? You can blitz and, and try to get home if you want to, but if you miss, now Lamar Jackson is is out the gate running uh, against defenders who have less people in the secondary and who have their backs turned because they're in man-to-man coverage. So it is a calculated risk in gamble. 
so I, I'm interested. In a way, both coordinators got to test the beta version. Mm-hmm. The, the Ravens didn't realize it because the Texans were a team that rarely blitzed, and then they just increased the risk capital and blitzed all the time. And we saw the Ravens' adjustments at halftime to that in the second half, and they dealt with it beautifully. And then, you know, some of the very same problems that Lamar Jackson presents are the ones that Josh Allen presents. Stylistically, it's different. Mm-hmm. Lamar is going to get out of bounds or slide, and Josh Allen's going to try and run three. Yeah. But, but, but in terms of dealing with a quarterback who is a headache in that sense, uh, very similar. So it, it'll be interesting to see the tells that these coordinators have and how those are potentially used against them based off of what they did last week and, and what the chess match looks like throughout the game. Lions at the Niners, nine and a half is the last spread that I saw. Uh, this line was as low as minus five and a half. The total's 51 and a half. To me, this is the Brock Purdy narrative. When they lose, it's his fault. When they win, it's because Kyle Shanahan is great. Does getting to the Super Bowl change that conversation? I think it certainly does. I still think and he, does it matter if Debo Samuel plays or not? I think it certainly does. Listen, getting to the Super Bowl didn't change the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation because he had a corner or a post route with the game on the line and he missed it. And shortly thereafter, he was not the Niners quarterback anymore. So for those who aren't Purdy believers, they'll need to see something, you know, week after week from him. I think the Debo Samuel injury question is a massive one. There are two people that make this offense really multiple. Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. Because the benefit that Kyle Shanahan has with that offense, with those, you know, queen chess pieces, is, well, your, your tells defensively are personnel and formation. Who is where? That tells us what they're going to do. With those guys, you can do anything yeah, with them anywhere. Them anywhere yeah. McCaffrey can go out wide and run routes like a wide receiver. And Debo would be in the backfield while McCaffrey's out wide. And, Have fun with that. And, and run uh, plays for a running back like he's a number one tailback. So it, it hamstrings you on what you're going to call defensively. Because no, most of your calls ba- are based off of where people are, what they like to do, and what the formation is. And so what happens is you just play vanilla. You just play base. So you're giving Kyle Shanahan the answers to the test early. Mm-hmm. Not a great recipe. So I, I think Debo being that other multi-platform to use a broadcaster. Nice work. Being that other multi Being the Donovan Bennett of, of broadcasting. That's what it is. I mean, I think I think Blake Murphy has that crown now. <laughs> um, he he can't. He's a Jags fan. Fair enough. Um, and I think that's the, the the big thing. And the the with Debo and without Debo splits are are real. Yeah, it's very telling. On the flip side, because we only got a couple minutes here before we got to take a break, but for Jared Goff and the Lions, is this good enough for this season if it ends here? We know they want more, and there's something to build off of here. But you you can safely look at this season with two playoff wins. And say and a, and a division title, and say this has been a success. This is something that we can build on. There's no guarantees you can get back here, but this is something that's galvanized the fan base. They know that they have a good coach. They know that they have good coordinators, and maybe they, you know, there's still a chance that they lose one or two. Hell yes, 
winning the division was enough. Yeah. We forget. I, I did a video essay for Sportsnet that came out on Central last night. It's on Sportsnet.ca. Go take a look. We forget how bad this Lions franchise has been. For a long time. Forever. Yeah. They've, they've, they've barely been average. They've been, like, people will will try and kick, like, the Bills fan base when they're down. They didn't even bother with the Lions because, like, they're so bad that we're just not even going to talk about them. We were having a real conversation about taking them off of the early Thanksgiving Day game because it was just a layup for whoever they play. Yeah. This is how bad they were. So the fact that they won the division, a, a division with deep rivalries and, and you know, deep historic ties, hosted a playoff game, won a playoff game, won two. They are Marchese at the craps table. We've won. We've cashed out. Now we're just playing with fun money. So we can risk it all. We can get a little bit of aggressive. Because either way, I know I'm going back to my paid-for suite because I'm a high roller, and I've got some money in my pocket. We're not talking about the same Marchese then. Oh, we're talking about you. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know about that. You're the guy at the table. you're 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 getting people to blow on it. Just... Hey, I'm, at, I'm, I'm, I'm on a hot streak. As Let's someone, go. As someone who has been to Vegas, I know they don't have 25-cent craps table, so I am not at that table. Uh, and when I do go to a casino or something, it's me that loses. You must be talking about my wife because she's the one who always wins. Doesn't know what she's doing, always wins. I guess you can kind of say that about some NFL teams. So they don't know what they're doing, but they win. Um, I'm really intrigued by this game. I think both secondaries can be had. I think this is going to be a really exciting game. I think there's going to be a lot of points here. And that's why I'm very curious. The Debo Samuel thing, he he was limited in practice, has been all week. Um, I wonder if he just plays, even if it's as a decoy, and like just get us there because then you got two weeks that you can rest up before you got to go again. Listen, no disrespect to Ray Ray McLeod. Or Jawan Jennings. I mean, Jawan Jennings at least. He's good. I big like target, big body, yeah. you know, will block the hell out of you. Downfield, put someone in the water cooler last week. So, I mean, he's a, he's a different type of threat weapon where he can have an impact on the game without a reception. Ray Ray McLeod generally is, in that offense, running routes for exercise. Yeah. So, if you have Debo, not 100%, but in that spot, and again, someone that defenses have to acknowledge, strike some fear in your heart, I think that's a value. The, the question with the shoulder is, if you have a lingering shoulder issue, you're only one hit, one fall yeah. away. Yeah, and it could be a very much a pain tolerance thing too. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, Let's Super go. Bowl champion, host of the Lombardi line and host of the GM Shuffle podcast will join us. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett, you're listening to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. As we get you set for championship weekend... In the NFL, and boy, oh boy, well, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, There's a lot going on in the NFL, especially around the coaching circles and all that stuff. And there's a guy out there who's still without a job, and I'm very curious to see where he ends up. Uh, Our next guest knows him, I would say, probably very well. 
Uh, Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, Super Bowl champion, host of the Lombardi line on VEASAN and host of the GM Shuffle podcast joins us now. Michael, how are you today? I am good. Thank you very much. How are you? Uh, we're good. And we're, we're, we're sitting here and we were talking before the show about this. Um, this whole hiring cycle, uh, this coaching cycle this, this year, with Bill Belichick available and potentially not having a job, a lot of people linked him to Atlanta and, and the questions surrounding the quarterback, maybe that changed his mind. Um, does this feel to you as someone who knows him, well, certainly a lot better than we do, um, does it feel like maybe he's waiting for something else, maybe even if it's early next year? Or do you could you see him taking a year off here? Because it feels like a couple of jobs probably could have been his and they're not, and we're left sitting here in shock. Well, you know, I think it's the NFL, is, as Bill Walsh told me in 1984, it's not the best and the brightest, right? It's not always about the best coach gets the job. It's about the election. And there's a thing we, we often refer to when I was in the league called guard your desk. You know, people have a real hard time in the league with change. And change brings competition. And competition makes people have to, to fight for their jobs. And because of that, you know, when you talk to a, a six-time Super Bowl winning coach, you're going to have to listen to what he says and kind of give him the support system. And most people in the building that he may interview with don't want that because that could threaten their job. And so you guard your desk. And, you know, the Atlanta Falcons decided that in the best interest of their football team, they would be better off with Rich McKay running their team, uh, Terry Fontenot running their personnel, and Raheem Morris being their coach. And I like Raheem Morris, but – to me, that's what they decided over hiring the greatest coach of all time. And that's their choice. They, they spent three weeks convincing the owner that that's what they wanted to do. And he finally gave in to them. So you can't make people hire you. It's why, Bill, it's why Sean Payton had one chance last year to get the Broncos job. The Carolina Panthers barely interviewed him, right? It's why Bill Walsh waited till he was 49 to get a head coaching job. It's why Vince Lombardi had to wait till 49. The NFL is not the best and the brightest. The NFL is about protecting the people regardless of what they've done. I mean, look at the Atlanta Falcons record over the last 21 years since Rich McKay has been involved with their organization. They, they went to one Super Bowl. They've been to the playoffs seven times. Yeah, as a uh, struggling Cowboys fan, uh, I, I know that uh, it's mm -hmm. not always the best and the brightest. And I, I know sometimes it's also about who will get the credit if you do win. And that's sometimes how decisions right. are made. What, when I look at, because I, I try to learn something about organizations, companies that are successful, what can we take from them and apply to, to become successful? When I look at the four teams standing, I see right. not managers of the offense, not managers of the defense. Andy Reid, obviously a, a play caller, but but managers of the organization. When you look at right. kind of the leadership characteristics, different styles, different ages, different you know, coaching trees. But when you look at the leadership of the organizations of these four, um, you know, what what comes to mind? Well, I think you know it's a great question, and it's really it's really a pro, uh, a proactive question. So what comes to mind is. While everything changes, nothing changes. Uh, what wins championships in the NFL? What won championships when Lombardi coached? Which won when Chuck Noll coached? Which won when uh, Joe Gibbs coached? Still wins today. 
It takes accountability. It takes discipline. It, it takes players committing to the team bigger than themselves. Nobody's an eye. It takes three elements of your team working together, offense, defense, and the kicking game. It takes, it takes great situational awareness. All four teams have it. They practice hard. They don't take. They practice very hard. Listen to Anthony Hargrave talk about the difference between Philadelphia and San Francisco. You know, he said San Francisco we works. Philly was a little bit more of a vacation, okay? Because Philly wants their peak performer coach to control how much we practice. So every they have every right. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, no matter how much things change around us, no matter how we have a different environment and structure, what wins will never go out of style. Competitive stamina, accountability, the willingness to do better than you did the day before. Those things are what all these four teams have. And yet the owners of the league, through their emissaries, they think there's some magic wand you can wave. They think there's some diet pill you could take to lose 40 pounds. You know, maybe Ozemica's that pill. But a lot of the owners are on the Ozemica program. <laughs> That's so great. I love that. Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, Super Bowl champion, host of the Lombardi line on VEASAN and host of the GM Shuffle podcast, joining Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett here. So I wanted to ask you a question here about structure because you talked about, um, you know, in Atlanta specifically, and this is more of a broad thing, but you pointed out Atlanta. Rich McKay runs the organization. Terry Fontenot does the player personnel stuff. Raheem Morris takes care of the players. Here's what we learned yesterday is that, and maybe this has been happening more often. It's just not as public, but both Raheem Morris and Terry Fontenot will report directly to Arthur Blank. In Buffalo, Brandon <laughs> Bean talked about, you know, he can't fire, basically said he can't fire Sean McDermott because both of them report to Terry Pagula. And I feel like this is something that is going to happen more often. I'm assuming that whoever is named GM with the Chargers is going to have that same thing. Jim Harbaugh reports to uh, Dean Spanos and the same thing with the GM. Is this something that is new, and do you think that it is something that we will see more often, or has this been happening a long time? We just haven't known a lot about it. Well, I, I think you have to go back to the Iran-Contra hearings in the United States, right? Oliver North introduced a, a concept that not many people knew about. It's called plausible deniability. The CIA loves it, right? They have plausible deniability. They're involved, but they can't. you can't blame them. And so the NFL has always been a plausible deniability or league. You know, if the guy making all the decisions hides behind somebody else who doesn't think he's making the decision so he doesn't get blamed. Remember, the media is coming in. This whole notion that Arthur Blank is at 83 years old is going to sign off on things that Fontenot wants to do and, and, and Raheem Morris wants to do with Rich McKay being involved and not being involved is almost hilarious. It's almost insulting to think that we're going to believe it. It's almost to the point where, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald was really on the sixth floor. I mean, that's how ridiculous <laughs> it is based on the evidence, right? But we'll go ahead with it because that, you know, we can, if we can convince people that that bullet went in 17 different directions, we can convince them of anything, right? So I think to me what it is is it, it, it's a buffer, it allows the people in charge to not have to stand up and be accountable, right? And so in the Buffalo situation, I'm sure they have equal, you know, that they both work for Pagula. But here's the difference. Do you really think Bean's going to go to Pagula and say, look, I don't think we're very good. I think we didn't do a good job in personnel. Or do you think McDermott's going to sit there and say, you know, I think this. Like, to me, the problems are, not about who's in charge, about who can best solve the problems. 
and who can identify the problems. See, everybody thinks Buffalo is this incredibly talented team, incredibly talented. They have an incredibly talented quarterback. They do. But the last two home playoff games that they've played in, they've given up 5.1 yards rushing to the Cincinnati Bengals with three offensive linemen behind the backups that were starting. They gave up 6.1 yards per carry to the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that doesn't even want to run the football. And everybody walks away saying we missed our opportunity. Well, you did because your team got beat up up front. It's two years in a row your defensive line couldn't play. Well, we didn't have our linebackers. I get that. Everybody's injured. Everybody's injured. But you're playing home in Buffalo. You should not be able to let another team run the football all over you. And I think, to me, that's the hard part about this plausible deniability is who's really deciding what's wrong with the team. Mike, uh, Matt is a hardcore Bills fan from a Bills family. The truth hurts. He, he didn't know he was coming to this Bills intervention, so <laughs> let's let's not tell him now that the Chiefs have $79 more million in cap space next year than the Bills. Like, How about we just let him down slowly uh, because there's a slow tear going, coming down his eye. Uh, after that explanation, that maybe there aren't as many blue chippers on that team as you might think. Well, I mean, come on, let's let's have a fair conversation here. I mean, you know, like, are they real? Look, look, I know they miss Milano, and I think he's a great player. I mean, did anybody get near the quarterback last week? Did you see sure it? Didn't. I mean, they talk they talk about Ed Oliver being a top five defensive tackle. You can't find him on the tape. You know, I mean, he might be on America's Most Wanted this week. Look, we're looking for him. I mean, you can't find him. And you have to be honest, and you have to be honest about it, and you've got to be willing to accept that. You know, we got to get bigger. We got to get more physical. We got to be able to stop the run, and and we've got to be able to handle that. My dog apologized. The mailman gets barked at every day. You my dog, my dog sounds the exact before. same. Actually, they probably could be family yeah. based on the way they sound. It's all good. Yeah, more more they, energy they, than the Bills Yeah, well, they have way more energy. I mean, so you have to look. If you're in pursuit of excellence, if you're willing to, if you're saying to yourself, we, we're going to win and you want to win, then you've got to be honest and you can't, you can't let your prior decisions affect your future choices, right? You've got to admit that, you know, Von Miller, it didn't work. Okay. Let's just be honest. It didn't work. He's an older player. It was going, he got injured. I'm sorry. It happened. Great player, probably going in the hall of faith, but let's. Oh, did we lose Mike there? Oh, I guess we did. Um, let's try and call him back. You know, he's not wrong. I mean, he's not wrong. The other the other loss that we didn't talk about was uh, Terrell Bernard, who was playing at a Pro Bowl-type level before he got hurt. But yes, um, the narrative is still the same. And when you said uh, you should let Matt down slowly and softly with this one, um, that team has been letting me down for my entire life. So there is nothing new here. Uh, it is the joke. They should be my pallbearer so they can let me down one more time. Just, just don't know why the mailman cut his phone line. Like that's Yeah, I like we're, he was so annoyed by the dogs. He's like, I can't have this during the thing. Uh, Michael Lombardi uh, joins us again. You were talking about you, you finished up with Vaughn Miller before we lost you there. Well, I mean, like, look, they, you know, they couldn't get the whole defensive concept of the Bills is based on simply this. We are going to get the lead offensively and we're going to be able to rush the pass. We are an undersized defense. They are in nickel defense all the time. Their linebackers, whether it's Mulatto or Bernard, are small. They're small. And they get away with it because their offense gets the lead and they can rush the passer. And people can't really run the ball because they're behind in a game. But when you get to the playoffs 
and all of a sudden it's a middle-of-the-ring boxing match and you can't run around the ring and you don't have the lead, then all of a sudden, just think about this, guys. The, the, the Kansas City Chiefs scored 27 points. They had the ball for 22 minutes. They only forced him in third down five times the entire game, and two of those third downs came on the last drive of the game, and two came on the second drive of the game. So, like, it, it's really kind of you've got to be honest with yourself. And you could say we lost at players. No question. No question they lost players. But were they really that good? I think that's the question you got to address. And if you're not willing to accept that, if you're not willing to look into that, then where are we going? Because Josh Allen is always going to be good. But Josh Allen, this is what cracks me up. All these people, these geniuses on Twitter that say, Bill Belichick's record without Tom Brady is this, you know? What would the Buffalo Bills record be without Josh Allen? And let's say this, they haven't been able to get to the Super Bowl with Josh Allen as great as he is. Well, you mentioned the pursuit of excellence in the building and like spoiler alert in pro sports not every not everyone is actually pursuing excellence all the time but i think the greatest conundrum in 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 sports right now i think is evaluating the quarterback position in terms of getting it right and getting the resources allocated to that position right because the quarterback position is the housing market whenever someone comes up it gets more you have a time where you're playing Great money to good players. Again, my, my Dallas Cowboys. In terms of team building, I've always thought, well, if the goal is to win a championship, and I'm have to, going to have to allocate resources to this player who is not at the level of the other elite quarterbacks, I should do something else. Maybe it might mean I might miss out in the draft or whatnot, but I'm hamstringing myself paying money to someone who can't elevate us the way uh, Mahomes or an Allen uh, can. What do you make of where the money at that position has gone and the lack of reason, it seems, when some of these contracts are handed out? Well, I, I think this. I, I think it's really, you're right. Bill Walsh said this years ago. He said there's very few people that can evaluate the quarterback and even fewer can coach him, and he was right. I think to me, all quarterbacks, all quarterbacks have to be in the right system with the right three-dimension team, right defense, right offense, right kicking game. And both. And if you're going to win Super Bowls, you've got to be really good in the offensive and defensive line with a blue-chip quarterback. And when you don't have that, the quarterback shoulders some of the blame. It shoulders most of the blame. And he becomes the lightning rod for what's wrong with your team. When, when you look at Josh Allen and you say, well, we've played two home games recently in the playoffs and we, we've got the ball run down our throat in both games. Are we really good enough there? I think you got to be really honest. You can only evaluate yourself against the level of comp, right? Because if you evaluate yourself against what you do against the bad teams, you're going nowhere. Who do we have to beat to get to where we have to go? And we're going to have to be able to control the line of scrimmage. And so I think it takes an adjustment. Like it takes a little bit of an adjustment. We got to get bigger. We got to get more physical up front. You know, we can't always rely on the pass rush to win the game. We got to be able to go toe to toe. When Andy Reid runs the ball for 6.1 yards a carry and as many times as he has, there's something going on here. Now, think about Andy Reid, right? After he lost and got embarrassed on Christmas Day, he went back to the drawing board. And he won, he's won, he's played better in the last three games, not counting the last game against the Chargers. He's run the ball 80 times in those three games. He's thrown at 90. Okay, he's, average, he's averaged over 142 yards a game rushing. He, 
changed what he did because he knew if he tried to keep throwing the ball and trying to make explosive plays, he was never going to win. Mahomes hasn't had an interception in the last three weeks, right? He's known that. And so he modified his team to fix the problems that were being avail- that were available. That's what head coaches have to do. And so the difference for me is, is what you have to decide is, do we hire a head coach who's a strategist, who understands how to play the game to win the game, or are we going to hire a play caller, a tactician, somebody who's going to run the game the way they see it? And I think the NFL has gone way far into the tactician element and not enough into the strategy element. Let's use some real-life examples, though, because Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes doesn't grow on trees. And it, for you to get a Brock Purdy for under a million dollars and build a roster around him, like that's lightning in a bottle. If you're the Miami Dolphins, you have Tua. And you're the Dallas Cowboys and you have Dak Prescott. And football is like broadcasting. The, the first job is keep the job. If you are in that front office and you're saying, man, I got to build a roster around to get to that level, but also I have agents asking me to pay these quarterbacks – what do you do? Is it is it as easy to just start from scratch at that position? No, but you have to have a developmental plan. You have to say to yourself, look, at some point, you know, we're going to have to, if we have to pay this guy this much money, it's going to take away the cap, right? You know, two is a good player. He's not a great player. If we're going to pay two a top 10 salary. Then it's going to take away us from getting better players. Are we ever going to win? Or are we going to be stuck in mediocrity? The NBA has proven this doesn't work. We see these ridiculous contracts that teams give out, max contracts to players that are not good enough, and their team doesn't win. I mean, the Washington Wizards, for example, I mean, they paid Bradley Beal, they were still picking in the lottery. Like, you're going to have to solve that problem, and you solve the problem through how you develop talent and what you build around them. You know, you could say Lamar Jackson's don't grow on trees. He sat in that green room for 31 picks, 31 picks, 31 teams passed him. Like, Patrick Mahomes had nine teams that passed him. Like, again, you know, like, it's available if you're willing to look for it. Walsh used to say this all the time. You know, we can get better when we're looking. We can't get better when we stop looking. It's true. Uh, It's the most important position in sports, as we know, and uh, you're seeing it now. Um, You can't get to this point without good quarterback play, uh, although people still will hate on uh, Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy, but that's okay. Uh, They could meet in the Super Bowl. Uh, Michael, thanks so much for taking some time for us today. Greatly appreciated. Love the conversation, and enjoy the games this weekend. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. There he goes. Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, Super Bowl champion, host of the Lombardi line on VEASAN and host of the GM Shuffle podcast. It's time for Bet Slip, brought to you by ProLine Plus, the only sports book where 100% of the profits go back to Ontario. So now I've done something here where I'm going to give you four rushing totals with the players. Oh, boy. And I want you to give me the over or the under. I will give mine as well. Jameer Gibbs. 48 and a half over. You can get that on one play. I, I don't disagree with the sentiment. Uh, I will also go over on that one. Christian McCaffrey, 87 and a half. Over. They're going to be up. They're going to hand him the ball to end the game. Oh, I think I think Donovan just tipped his hand at his pick for this week. Uh, I'm going to go over as well, um, but not for that reason. I'm a running back. I'm going to go over on <laughs> all the running backs. Lamar Jackson, 64 and a half. Rushing yards? Yeah. Under. Ooh, okay. So we'll disagree here. I'm going to go over. I think that if they're going to win this game, I think that Lamar Jackson is going to do a lot of it with his legs. I, I'm. He did it last week. I would not be surprised to see it again. Just to 
keep Steve Spagnolo on his toes a little bit. Isaiah Pacheco, 63 and a half rushing yards. Over. I'm gonna he might get it on 63 and a half attempts, but he's gonna get it. I wonder about that Baltimore defense and then be I'm gonna go under. Okay. That's a low number for me to go under on, but I think Baltimore's defense is just firing on all cylinders right now. It's going to be a really fun weekend. Uh, that was Bet Slip brought to you by ProLine Plus, the only sports book where 100% of the profits go back to Ontario. Just a reminder, we're going to be at Real Sports next Tuesday, besides Scotiabank Arena, 11 a.m. Eastern. Show up, have some good food, and watch us do our thing. You can see how animated I get during the show, and Donovan just looks at me like, you're crazy. Um, well, we got a minute left here, Donovan. It's championship weekend. How about some championship picks? Let's go... Ravens and Chiefs first. Not only will they cover, Chiefs win outright. Wow! Listen, man, I don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. That's one thing I do not do. Well, I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to go with the Ravens. By the way, have you seen this new thing where if you look at the Super Bowl logo, you could see the colors of the teams and how it's already predetermined? Yeah, it was one of Aaron Rodgers' many conspiracy theories. Yeah. Uh, Okay, last one. The Lions at the Niners. I already know your answer. It's the Niners. I think we got a Super Bowl rematch from a couple years ago. To all my Detroit Lions fans out there, I'm picking the Lions. Okay. I I love this story. It gives me chills. I want to see it. To win or to cover? To win. Oh, boy. Detroit Lions. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Fan Checkdown. Thanks to Lance behind the glass, Donovan across the table, Matt Marchese signing off. Bye-bye.